You're listening to Teaching from Midtown Fellowship, a Jesus-centered family on mission in Columbia, South Carolina. If you're interested in finding out more about us, our family of churches, or how to partner with us, go to midtowncolumbia.com. Hey family, I'm Ant. I get the joy and privilege of serving as the pastor of our Two Notch Church here in our family of churches. And if you're not very familiar with our Two Notch Church, we have a very specific focus as we focus in on impoverished inner city communities right here along Two Notch Road here in down, near downtown Columbia, South Carolina. I'm really encouraged about something that I want you to be really encouraged about as well, specifically regarding how you all as members of our downtown church and members of our Lexington church play a large role in what we're able to do serving our neighbors along Two Notch Road uh, right here in our city. So we realized pretty early on uh, in church planting that the, the communities, the neighborhoods that we were really focusing on and really trying to reach out to weren't going to be able to financially support our church over the long haul. And many church planting experts, so to speak, in conferences and denominations often advise not to seek to plant a church in a very impoverished part of the city because we know very well that churches require resources and finances to be vibrant and especially being able to meet the spiritual and physical and material needs of many of our neighbors and many of those that we are reaching out to. So To date, we've been able to continue on serving members of the communities along Two Notch Road that are impoverished because of much of your generosity as a church, as our Lexington church, and as our our downtown church. So we've been able to continue to go forward in ministry knowing that we will receive financial support and even support from staff members that are bringing their services uh, to us as our Two Notch church. So we're really grateful for you. We're really encouraged by that. I want you to be encouraged by that as well. And one of the things that I am excited about today is being able to talk about how we can continue together as a family of churches and joining God, following in the footsteps of Jesus and what he is doing as we continue to join him in his mission in our city. I'm reminded of Philippians chapter one, verses three through five that we looked at during last week's sermon where the apostle Paul writes, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Much of that resonates with me because as I think about our family of churches, I think about how our Two Not Church has been growing and it's continuing to grow even through the pandemic over these last eight years that we've been a church and you guys have been there with us, supporting us and being generous towards us from the first days that Midtown Two Notch got started even up until now. And so today I want to get into how do we, as the, as the people of God, continue to partner together in the work as, our, as a family of churches? How do we partner together in the work of the Lord? And I think if you're seeking to commit your life to joining Christ in his work and what he's doing, one of the things that I'm confident that you've noticed is that this is difficult work. This is not easy work that we are engaging in. And today we are blessed to be able to set our hearts and our minds on God's word to find strength and joy and endurance to continue on in the good work that he has called us to. So let's pick up in verse 12 here in Philippians chapter one. I'll read through verse 18 to get us started. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. 
And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to inflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed and in that I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice. During the 1996 Olympics, the United States a women's gymnastics team was against was facing against Russia at the time for for number one and number two in the competition in the Olympic Games. Team Russia wasn't very far behind the United States team, and there was one only one event that was left, which was the vault the vault event, the 82 foot runway, and a vault that the gymnasts would use to perform their acrobatics. And the USA, all they needed was one very good score, and the gold was theirs. If you remember, Dominique Marciano came up and she missed both of her vaults and there was one contestant left, one gymnast left for the United States team and it was Carrie Strug. On her first attempt, something went wrong. She missed the landing and as she was standing up to pose after she missed the landing, she raised one leg in the air. She had heard a snap around her foot or around her ankle at the time. She knew that she was injured and she had battled injury throughout her career as a gymnast before. So she knew very well how problematic this was. But with the gold on the line, she walked back down the 82 foot runway and prepared for her final vault with the opportunity to win the gold for our country. She sprints down the 82 foot runway, does her acrobatic along the vault or on the vault, I should say. She sticks the landing perfectly, and not too long after that, she falls to the ground in pain, tears in her eyes. She got the score that she needed, and we as a country, we won the gold in the U.S. Women's Gymnastics Competition. They interviewed her just a little bit later about what that experience was like for her, how she was able to accomplish this. Here's what she said. I had a mixture of emotions. I felt pain, sacrifice, but more than those emotions, joy. The feeling of satisfaction I had knowing I achieved my lifelong dream was incredible. Now, I personally find it interesting that she didn't just say the adrenaline was so rushing through me at the time that I didn't even notice the pain. I didn't notice that I was injured and I just did what I had to do. But that's not what she said. She actually made the point that the joy and the satisfaction that she got from doing what she had spent so much time training to do and accomplishing what she had desired to accomplish so much that it was powerful enough to allow her to overcome the pain and the difficulty and the suffering of that moment. Joy has the power to sustain us through suffering. David Goggins is a retired Navy SEAL. He's the only member of the U.S. Armed Forces to complete SEAL training. Uh, including two hell weeks. He's a U.S. Army Ranger. He went to U.S. Army Ranger School where he graduated as an enlisted honor man. He was also in the Air Force Tactical and Air Control Training as well. He has placed in ultra marathons, which are 40 miles long, 88 kilometers, uh, 88 kilometer race, excuse me, a 50K race. And he also placed first in the McNaughton 150 miler, which he completed in 33 hours and 36 minutes. 
He has the Guinness World Record for most pull-ups in 24 hours, where he completed over 4,000 pull-ups in 17 hours. And he has many more accomplishments, but I'm assuming you get the picture. And he has a very short yet profound quote that I find to be incredibly helpful that I'd love to share with you. He said, the pain that you are willing to endure is measured by how bad you want it. As he was considering how he was able to endure all of the training and all of the injuries that he suffered and yet continue on to accomplish many of these things, he just simply says that the pain you are willing to endure is measured by how bad you want it. I think oftentimes when we hear stories like that of individuals who have accomplished such great things, we may have a tendency to believe that, well, they're, they're different from us, that I'm not like them. And obviously it's true, there's no way I'm winning gold medal on the vault. There's no way that I'm doing 4,000 push-ups. But I want to focus in on how those two athletes talk about what allowed them to endure the pain and the difficulty required for what they were seeking to accomplish. When it comes to their willingness to sacrifice, it's important to remember that they're just humans. There's no, no principles, no rules that apply to them that do not apply to us and to our lives. We must remember that when the joy of accomplishing the goal outweighs the pain that you have to endure to accomplish it, we all will be willing to endure whatever is necessary. Just like you and I, they were willing to endure great pain because of how bad they wanted the prize. I'm sure that for the vast majority of us, there are things that we'd be willing to suffer great pain for, maybe to protect someone that we love, maybe to satisfy a desire that we have. Many of us know of people that have sacrificed necessary time with their families because they're putting in extra time at work because they want to, be, they want to advance in their career. We often knowingly do great spiritual harm when we so deeply love things like our comfort or our own entertainment so much that we don't, we don't prioritize spiritual disciplines in our lives. Countless Married people, husbands and wives have put themselves and their families through great pain and strife and division by engaging in extramarital affairs. Many in our society have been willing to endure great physical pain and sickness because of our love for certain types of foods that we just cannot get enough of. Hear me on this. We all have an incredible capacity to endure difficulty, to endure suffering, to endure pain greatly for what we want the most. As we'll talk about throughout this sermon series, Paul is in prison. He's not sure what's going to happen to him there. He knows that the death penalty is on the table for him. And all of this is for being a leader in the Christian movement and preaching the salvation of Jesus Christ to those that need saving. He's enduring great suffering as he writes this. And I want us to notice the thing that is on his mind the most as he writes to the Philippian church in the middle of his suffering. Let's look back at verse 12. He says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. He's writing to the Philippian church. And he says, you know what? I've been thinking, you know, I have a lot of time on my hands here in prison. Here's what I've been noticing. God is using this difficulty to advance his kingdom. That since I've been in here, the, the whole imperial guard, the guards that are here with me are, are hearing about Christ because they know that I'm here because of my ministry for Christ. 
He said, I'm even noticing that, that the brothers in the faith are more bold to proclaim Christ because they know that I am here because of the ministry of the gospel. He said, hey, God is really at work here. He is encouraging the Philippian church here right in the middle of his suffering. Paul is so able to see rightly and value the importance, the beauty, and the glory of the gospel of Jesus, continue to, exp- continue to spread, that he's able to appropriately perceive the different aspects of his life. He, he has great clarity about what's actually most important. And the same is true for us. When we value the good news of our salvation in Jesus Christ as the greatest treasure, it allows us to keep the main thing as the main thing. It allows us to remain focused on what's most important, even, even through immense pain. Y'all ever talk to people who love to lift weights? I'm talking about the people who, who never miss leg day, the people who love leg day. To hear them talk about the burn, the pain that they feel when they're pushing their body to the limit over and over and over again. I mean, it's just incredible. They're like, man, my legs are killing me. That was awesome. That was amazing. They so love the gains that they're accomplishing that pain is no longer an obstacle for them. Their joy in accomplishing the goal outweighs the pain that they have to endure to accomplish the goal so they endure it. Family, when you have a purpose that you love and are enamored by, pain often remains secondary to the thing you're after the most. And that's what we see from Paul here in Philippians 1. He's able to focus on how his pain has resulted in the spread of the gospel of Jesus. The guards where he is in prison are hearing about Christ. He's able to focus on how others are becoming more bold and confident to share Christ with others because of his imprisonment. And because of that, Paul was unstoppable. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, he was unstoppable because of Christ who had died for his sins and rose again, forgiving him of all the things that he had done wrong, reconciling him back to God, making him new, adopting him into his family, saving him from his life of sin and calling him to join him in building his kingdom because of the sheer goodness and glory of this Christ whom he knows so well, he's able to appropriately view suffering for all of the brokenness that it is without letting it hinder him from continuing to walk in the footsteps of Jesus. So by the power of the Spirit of God, he's just unstoppable. He's unstoppable. And you see the same thing in verses 15 through 18. He says, Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaimed Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. And what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in that, hear what he says, I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice. There are people preaching the gospel for bad reasons during Paul's imprisonment. It's not completely clear what their motives are, but somehow they're looking to afflict Paul by their preaching. Maybe they were envious of, of Paul and they, they saw his imprisonment as an opportunity to gain some type of status in the church, or maybe take his place in his leadership role. Whatever it is, they were using his imprisonment as an opportunity for their own gain. There are people who seem to be brothers in the faith that are adding insult to, to Paul's injury while he is in prison for, for proclaiming the gospel. But regardless, Paul says that he rejoices because Christ is being proclaimed. 
He had such a love for Christ and an admiration for Christ that he was going to be happy so long as the news about Christ was being proclaimed, no matter what it costed him. No matter what was happening to him inside the prison and no matter what people were doing against Paul outside of the prison, he was going to rejoice because he could see that nothing was more important than the good news of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ being shared with others. His right right knowledge and admiration of Christ just made him completely unstoppable. It, It allowed him to experience suffering and difficulty, but not be mastered and not be controlled by it. And for those of us that desire to see God's kingdom grow, that is incredibly inspiring. They come to Paul, hey, Paul, stop preaching the gospel. And Paul's like, no. Well, if you, we, if you continue to preach the gospel, we're going to throw you in prison. Okay, I'm going to make sure all your prison guards hear about Christ. And the brothers who are outside the prison are going to be even more bold to proclaim Christ. Hey, Paul, people outside of the prison are going to be afflicting you by the way that they preach because you're in prison. And Paul says, that's great because now even more people are going to know about Jesus. I'll rejoice even in that. He was completely unstoppable. His joy in accomplishing the goal outweighed the pain that he had to endure to accomplish the goal. So he was able to endure it through the power of the Holy Spirit because he saw Jesus rightly. He was unstoppable. The difficulty that he experienced didn't stop him from continuing and following in the footsteps of Jesus. His joy in Christ sustained him through the difficulty. And even though we don't live in an age and in a place right now where we're thrown in jail or thrown in prison for preaching the gospel, it is incredibly important that we don't let suffering and that we don't let difficulty stop us from joining God in his mission. And some of you in our family of churches are examples for us in how you don't let the difficulty of the mission stop you from following in the footsteps of Jesus. Let me explain what I mean. Our family of churches is so greatly benefited by the fact that some of you love Christ and admire him so much and you so want others to know him that you have stepped into some very messy situations in our church, potentially in your life group that many people would completely frequently move away from, but you consistently move towards messy situations. You proclaim the goodness of God. You encourage those who are hurting you. You are a peacemaker in our church. You're trying to help people uh, be reconciled and experience and walk in reconciliation because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You've stepped into so much drama, so much painful drama because by the power of the Holy Spirit, you are unstoppable. You don't let the difficulty and the suffering control you or keep you from walking in the footsteps of Jesus. And our family of churches is better for it. And some of you, because you love Christ and you want to see him glorified and made much of, you are willing to, in the name of Christ, confront and rebuke people who do not respond well when they are confronted or when they are rebuked. And maybe they, they, they don't see you the same way. Maybe they don't like you as much as they did previously, but you so care about them knowing Jesus. You so care about them following him that you are willing to say the loving, difficult truth that they need to hear when they don't desire to hear it. And people have said things about, to you or about you, maybe that have hurt you. You know it's going to hurt, but because the Holy Spirit is empowering you and you love to see Christ made much of, and you love that more than you love your own comfort, you have been an unstoppable force, a, a, a means of God's grace in our church, in our life groups, in our family of churches. 
Because by the power of the Holy Spirit, when it comes to calling people away from sin and calling them to God, you are unstoppable. You don't let the difficulty or the suffering control you or keep you from walking in the footsteps of Jesus. For some of you participating with your life group on a weeknight, just just showing up and participating and being actively engaged is very difficult for you. Maybe you had a difficult day. Maybe you had a difficult week or month. Maybe a difficult year or a difficult few years here recently. Maybe you're exhausted because of everything you have on your plate right now. Maybe you struggle with clinical anxiety and just the thought of participating with a group of people, especially when when all our life groups were virtual, maybe just the thought of it causes anxiety and fear to, to rise up within you. And yet you have been unstoppable. You've continued to participate in our life group meetings. You've continued to encourage your brothers and sisters in the faith. You've continued to hear how you can be praying for your brothers and sisters. You've continued on participating in fellowship and praying for them. You press on clinging to the presence of God and the power of God in your life because you value Christ and the spiritual work that he is doing in and through your life group more than you value your own relief in the moment. And because of the power of God's spirit in you and because of your love for Christ, you have been an unstoppable force in the hands of God in our family of churches, in your life group, and you participate and pray for your brothers and sisters and you encourage them in their faith through the word of God because you don't let the difficulty or the pain or the suffering or the anxiety control you or keep you from walking in the footsteps of Jesus. And our family of churches is so much better because of it. For some of us here recently during the pandemic, giving financially to the work of God through the local church has been a little bit more difficult because of the financial uncertainty that the pandemic has caused for so many. But many of you have continued to give faithfully and it shows that you value God and his work and you don't let the uncertainty of the future control you. And we are better for it. And our neighbors, our our neighbors who lived in impoverished communities along Two Notch Road are better for it. We're able to continue doing ministry at Midtown Two Notch and serving those who are in need because of it. And I don't know what we would do if we didn't have the financial and staff backing that comes from your generosity. Your valuing of Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit more than you value the comfort and security of holding tightly to your money and to your resources as you continue to give generously shows that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you too are unstoppable. You don't let the difficulty, the suffering control you or keep you from walking in the footsteps of Jesus. And because of your faithfulness as a family of churches, we are putting on display the unstoppable power and the unstoppable kingdom of God. Because we're saying, God, wherever you send us, we'll go. You want to send us to communities that are riddled with poverty. You want to send us to communities that historically have had elevated crime rates. We will go there and you are playing a vital role in that as you trust in the Lord, as you cling to joy in him. And we'll go wherever the gospel and wherever God sends us to proclaim his gospel because we know that the kingdom of God is worth sacrificing for. God has constructed his kingdom to be unstoppable. And together we put that on display through your relentless generosity, even in times of financial uncertainty. See, when you appropriately value and admire Christ, you are empowered to appropriately value the most important things like the the eternal work of God in people's lives over even our own comfort and preferences. On the other hand, 
that necessarily means that our willingness to endure suffering or difficulty for the cause of Christ very much exposes how little we often value Christ. Our our unwillingness to endure exposes how much we do not value him and find joy in him. Our unwillingness to walk with and care for our brothers and sisters in the faith through difficult and tough issues. Our unwillingness to bear with one another and continue on in deep fellowship with each other because of the unity that we have in Christ when we are wronged or when we are sinned against. Or even when we just feel like or suspect that someone has something against us when we have no real evidence to back that up. Our unwillingness to confront and rebuke a brother or sister in the faith because we're afraid we're afraid of how they might respond or our unwillingness to encourage and lift up someone just by giving an encouraging word to them because you see how God is at work in them and through him because we're afraid of, of the fact that we maybe we won't do it right or our unwillingness to as parents push through the fatigue that we feel and be intentional with consistently sharing Christ with our children and our unwillingness to share Christ with our friends and loved ones who don't love Jesus because we're afraid of what they might say or what they might do, our unwillingness to step into this, into the difficulty, our willingness to endure through maybe the suffering that we might endure because of these things. They they reveal that we don't appropriately see and value and admire Christ, our Savior, as we should. And if we are to lay hold of a joy in Christ that is so strong, that it empowers us to endure whatever pain or difficulty that comes our way. I'm convinced that we must look directly to Jesus. I love what Hebrews chapter 12, verses one through three says about how we can endure as followers of Jesus. Verse one says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And that term for endurance, it can be translated steadfastness or patience. It it speaks to the capacity to tolerate delay or tolerate trouble or tolerate suffering without giving up. The author is saying, let's run the race that God has for us. Let's live how he has called us to live. Let's love our neighbors the way we love ourselves. Let's walk in the footsteps of Jesus without letting anything stop us, without letting anything cause us to quit. And so the question that that rises is, how do we do this? How do we find this strength to run with this endurance? Let's keep reading verse two. It says, looking to Jesus. Pause right there. You probably saw this one coming. No tricks, no gimmicks, no bait and switch. If you want the ability to endure with joy, whatever comes your way as you follow Jesus, you need to keep your eyes on him. There are no shortcuts. There are no other options. It begins and ends with us looking to him, seeking him, meditating on him and his goodness. And if you don't do this, you have no shot. It starts off verse two saying, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. I don't know if you caught this or not, but the author of Hebrews just made it clear that it was for the joy that was set before him that he endured the cross, that it was a a joy that sustained him, the joy of glorifying the father, the joy of bringing salvation to his creation and most specifically to us is what allowed him to endure. So let me say it another way. Carrying the sustaining joy of what he was accomplishing as he died for us deep in his heart Our God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, was unstoppable as he was on his mission to save me and to save you. He was unstoppable in the wilderness as the the devil told him, if you just bow down and worship me, I'll give this world over to you. He didn't let his desire for comfort stop him from fulfilling the mission that he was called to. 
He was unstoppable throughout his life. As the book of Hebrews lets us know that, that he was one who in every respect was tempted as we are, yet was without sin. He didn't let the temptation of sin stop him from fulfilling his mission to save us. He was unstoppable in the garden of Gethsemane as he was anticipating the horrific pain of the cross. And, and, and as, as he felt the stress of that, the Bible says his sweat was like blood dropping from his face. He didn't let the fear and the anxiety stop him from fulfilling his mission to save us. And from Gethsemane to Calvary's Hill, where he died from our sins, where he, where he could have just asked the Father to send 12 legions of angels to rescue him, but instead he stayed the course. He didn't let the physical pain or torture of crucifixion stop him. See, the, the joy of accomplishing the goal outweighed the pain that he had to endure as he was dying on the cross to save you and me. And even in the grave, he does not let the grave stop him because three days later he was raised from the grave with all power and all authority in his hands. We as the people of God are able to move forward and be unstoppable because we keep our eyes on our God who was unstoppable as he came for us. As he gave his life for us that we might know him. Our God was unstoppable and as we look to him and seek him and find our hope and our joy in him by the power of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit that dwells inside each of us who are his, we will be unstoppable too. And we will continue on following in the footsteps of Jesus, no matter the difficulty, no matter the pain or the suffering or how inconvenient or how uncomfortable it is for us. As we keep our eyes on him, we will be unstoppable as well. And as you grow in finding your joy in Jesus, you will find yourself more and more willing to endure suffering and difficulty as you follow in his footsteps. And if your eyes are open to it, I'd be willing to bet that you'll see more and more how he is using your sacrifice for his purposes, for the building, for the edification of his kingdom. Family, pray with me. Father, thank you for sending your son to us. Thank you for sending your son on a rescue mission to us. Thank you, Jesus, for, for being unstoppable, for being unrelenting, for not letting the pain or the difficulty or the suffering of the cross stop you, for not even let death itself stop you from saving us. Continue to grow us, I ask. I plead as, a, as an unstoppable people through the power of your Holy Spirit. Cause us to, to know very well the sustaining joy of seeing you rightly, of, of enjoying you, and allow us to be empowered by that, to not let the, the difficulty in this life stop us from, from following in your footsteps. We need you to accomplish this in our hearts as we seek to continue to labor together as a family of churches, being a Jesus-centered family on mission with you right here in the Columbia area. We thank you for all these things. It's in Christ's name that I pray. Amen.